All right, good morning. You know, it's like 3 in the morning here. <laughs> it's crazy. I haven't gone to bed yet. I had a very, well, I came up on Friday, and my daughter's neighbor, Kathy, had invited me to go to a movie with her. Um, just friends, so don't worry. <laughs> just friends. So anyways, went to the movie. It's called Maverick. <laughs> Um, I won't voice my opinion on it because it might offend you people. Um, but then we went to, after the movie, we went to dinner at a Rocky Mountain Seafood. Just unbelievable. Probably some of the best seafood I've ever had. And it's in the middle of western Wyoming. <laughs> Out in the middle of nowhere, this little town. And they have a seafood place that rivals freaking coastal Florida. Seafood assembly, halibut, salmon, both my favorites. Um, scallops. Oh, they bring it from Washington. Oh, here I go with the yawning. Sorry. They bring it from Washington on trucks. It and they cook it to perfect their clam chowder. You'd murder people for their clam chowder. It's, clam chowder is that good. It's uh, New England, so it's uh, you know the white. Milky stuff. It's not the red. The red is Manhattan, which is I love Manhattan clam chowder, but this is New England. So it's the white, you know, kind of like milkier, creamy stuff. Oh, damn these yawns. Well, after dinner, dropped her off and she went home. And then a few minutes later, there's a knock on my door. She's bringing me ice cream and candy, uh, Reese's and some other candy bars and stuff. Um, as a treat. And then she went home and went to bed. Anyways, I woke up this morning and did my normal, you know, reading the scriptures, saying my prayers, taking a shower, all that stuff. And I took off to Yellowstone. My daughter uh, was preparing. She had a performance tonight. So she was with her band members, you know, preparing, you know, rehearsing and practicing, in other words. And uh, then I had to haul all their equipment, I mean, so much equipment, and get it set up. So I went to Yellowstone by myself and went to saw Old Faithful and stopped by um, Jackson Lake, beautiful. Did a couple of videos, did some, you know, photos of the geyser and um, just a wonderful day. And then I uh, went and got something to eat. <sighs> I probably yawned a hundred times, but. I went and got something to eat, and then I did another video by the river. And the river, Snake River, it was just brown as brown, because it's full of sediment. And it's very swift right now, probably 7 to 10 miles an hour. And if you know water, 7 to 10 miles an hour on water is fast in a river. Very dangerous. A lot of undercurrents, eddies. Um, the way the river is, there's boulders in the river, and you can tell by the way um, it causes waves to rise. That's very, that means there's an obstruction. Uh, a lot of times people will shoot those rapids in a kayak or a canoe and not pay attention, like stay out in the middle of the damn thing, don't get close to the shore. Well, they don't pay attention. And there's shoals too, you know. There's, there's shoals out in the middle in some areas, and there's boulders. And what will happen is they're, I mean, seven or ten miles an hour in a damn canoe is fast. You just don't realize. If you're in that canoe, you'd be saying, yeah, George is right. That's fast. 
but it doesn't sound seven to ten miles an hour doesn't sound fast when somebody tells you. But when you're on a river in a boat or a kayak, you're flying down that freaking river. Yeah. Well, what'll happen is they'll hit. They're not paying attention. They'll hit a boulder or a shoal, and it'll flip the canoe or the kayak. Here's the here's the bad thing. If you are wearing a life preserver and you flip the canoe, um, what usually happens to those people is, of course, the freaking canoe is going down the river without anybody. You know, it's, just, it's still floating upside down, but it's going down the river, so they had no canoe. Um, and they're moving 7 to 10 miles an hour, so anything under the water is hitting their legs and their arms. Um, if they're lucky and they're, if they're in the middle of the river, they try to swim at an angle, you know, the river's taking them down. I mean, they don't, that's all there is to it. They're going to go with the flow of the river. But what they should be trying to do is keep their head above water so they don't hit their head on a rock. And they should be trying to keep their arms and legs up to the surface as much as possible so they don't hit rocks and move at an angle diagonally to get toward the shore where they might be able to, you know, find water that's not moving so swiftly and they can stand up and get out of the river. Or they'll end up on a shoal, which saves your life. I mean, but now you still have to, you know, get to the shore itself because the shoal might be out in the freaking middle of the river. Very dangerous to be playing around on that river. So I did a little video of that. Then I went to my daughter's performance. At nine o'clock they opened and, uh, and they didn't charge me to go in because my daughter's a member of the band. So they were nice. And they said, no, that's his daughter. Just let him in. So <laughs> save me on that. And I did some videotaping and visited her and met his mother and his brother and sister. Um, that was an event. But anyways, I'm telling you all this just because I'm preparing to do the podcast on the subject. None of what I've told you has... Um, any bearing on the subject uh, or the podcast at all. It's not. This is just trivia. But now, because mm, i got to get to bed pretty soon. Church is tomorrow. Well, church is today now, and I think about it. It's past 12 o'clock. At 10.30, I have church, so let me get started. I want to talk to you about the aging process. Yes, I'm thinking, I think most of you know well, those that really know me know I'm 66 years old. Now, that, to me, is, is old. But for some people, say, oh, that's not old. 80 years old is old. Well, <laughs> 80 years old is older. 66 is old. Um, and what I want to talk to you about is the fascinating. To me, it's fascinating to get older. And it's a blessing for me because when you get older, people leave you alone. Most people don't want to bother with older people. So that's wonderful for me because I don't want to deal with people unless I know them and love them or I meet them and I click with them. So out of, say, out of a group of people, we'll say if I met 100 people, I might only click with maybe 10 or 15 out of that and then only want to have an association with two or three. That's my washout. Out of 100 people, there's usually only two or three I end up having any meaningful relationship with. Um, um, somewhat by choice and sometimes not by choice. Sometimes people choose not to associate with me for a variety of reasons. 
Um, and then, but on the other side of that is I'm very particular about who I get involved with. Um, and you can tell the quality of the people I've been involved with by the people I'm still involved with. That's, that's your clue. I'm giving you clues. If you look at how many people for say Periscope, for instance, that's a, that's a good metric to measure, you know, for measurement. If you look back to when I was on Periscope and all the people I interacted with and you see who I, who's left, let's put it that, let's just be blunt here. Out of, you know, hundreds of people on Periscope, um, there's three people left. Yeah. Rachel Anderson, John, who I won't give his last name for privacy reasons, you know, to maintain his confidentiality. And Daniel, whose last name I won't give to maintain his, um, you know, confidence and in, anonymity, in protect them. Rachel Anderson is of no consequence. Um, <laughs> she tells everybody stuff, so, it's, you know, those are, that's it. That's how particular I am. Well, let me tell you about the aging process because it's, it's, it's a unique process. I mean, everybody who lives long enough will go through the aging process. Let's, let's, okay, let's lay it out this way. Okay. Everyone who doesn't die until they get older will go through the aging process. Now, the aging process proper affects people in different ways depending upon their genetics. I have very good genetics. My son will tell you that. He's into that stuff. Um, their genetics, uh, the foods they eat, whether they exercise or not, what diseases they've had in, from their childhood, for instance, um, what physical ailments they may have had as adults, like maybe they had some um, diabetes or heart disease or something. Um, and then their intelligence quotient, the uh, education that they've received, um, the knowledge that they've gained, how they've chosen to use that knowledge, how they lived their life, the choices they made, all these different pieces of the, the big puzzle um, determine largely where a person is at when they get older. Now, some people horrifically abuse their body with drugs and alcohol and cigarettes at a young age. Um, and in their 40s and 50s, um, they're biologically, they have biologically aged prematurely. Um, I've seen women who smoke since they're teenagers are still smoking in their 40s, and they look like they're in their 60s and 70s because cigarettes really attack a woman's beauty. Her skin, her hair, her major organs, you know, liver, kidneys, lungs, all that stuff, and her skin. You can tell women who smoke get leathery skin when they get older. You know, there's, it affects their, the process of their skin rejuvenating and such, and it uh, attacks the, well, you know, skin is made up of dermis and epidermis. There's two, two, you know, two types of skin. You have your epidermis, which is the outside layer. Then you have, I think there's seven layers total. And the outside layer is the epidermis. 
and the inside layers of the dermis, and there's like six insides and one outside. It affects how the body's the chemicals that the body releases that re are related to skin growth and repair and, and uh, elasticity and stuff like that. It causes a woman's skin to get leathery and to wrinkle and to prematurely age. That's just a consequence of smoking. You know. and men too, but mostly you see it more in women than men. It's more apparent in women than men. Um, of course, drinking attacks the kidneys and the liver, the bloodstream, you know, cardiovascular, causes heart disease, um, bad stuff, bad stuff. So people who are going through this aging process year to year with their individual experiences, their individual ailments and diseases and surgeries and, you know, the knowledge they're gaining and how they're applying the knowledge in their life and stuff. When a person, I'll make it easy because I think I'm getting too complicated here. If you took 10 people, five men and five women, the same age, they would be completely different in many things and very similar in others. Um, but the thing is, is their development as a person, where they were as a person, you know, who developed over all these years would be substantially different. You would find people in their 60s, say my age, 66, you would find people who are 66 years old who have the mind of a 30-year-old or a 20-year-old. Um, they're irresponsible. They, they're just horrific with managing money, for instance. Um, maybe they didn't get enough education, so the job they uh, had to work didn't produce much money, um, so they didn't eat properly. They didn't have a balanced diet, for instance. And maybe they, you know, because of their home life as children, and their adult life, um, they smoked and they drank, and that affected their health. You would find all these different people the same age at different levels. You'd find some people who didn't smoke and drink or quit early in their, in their childhood, um, who did get an education and could provide better, so they ate better foods. Um, they went to a dentist on a regular basis and got their teeth fixed. They did all these things, and you see them as a 66-year-old person, and they have most of their teeth. Or if they lost their teeth because they managed the way they managed their money and, and took care of themselves, they're able, they were able to go to a dentist and get um, implants. So they don't have the sense. So even though they don't have their real teeth, they have the closest thing to real teeth that has ever been developed, and that is zirconian um, teeth. That um, and their heart is almost as hard as I think zirconian is one two, I think it's fourth if I remember right. Sapphire is three, ruby is two, and diamond is one. I'm pretty sure zirconians are four, because um, I have implants, and I can tell you, you could bite a chunk of, you could literally bite a chunk out of somebody with these teeth. They're rock hard. They're sharp as hell. And because when they do, if you get the best that they have, which I did because I thought I don't want to have problems. I don't want to have to go back to a dentist because they break and all this. These can break. 
but they don't break his teeth like regular teeth and and porcelain they dislodge the whole tooth comes out of the frame which is what happened to me i slept without using a mouth guard and I, the tooth dislodged and it just came out so they can put a tooth right back in if you lose a tooth like swallow it they'll just put a tooth back in there porcelain chips and breaks and real teeth break too um, these teeth are tough as nails and with eight total implants in the jawbone that the bone grows around these damn things are pretty this is like jaws from james bond i mean you it's amazing um it's like they're set of shears but anyway the point i'm making is they're going to be at all different levels and some people are going to be very healthy they did the exercise they ate well they got their teeth fixed they went to a doctor on a regular basis um the aging process they all endured it. You know, they're getting older, they gain some weight. Um, you know, they don't have the muscle mass they had. Some don't have the memory, um, things like that. They all underget, underwent the same aging process, but they're at all different levels because of their earlier years. Now, what has fascinated me is I was raised by older people, great aunts, grandmothers, um, old women, basically, you know, and I've always been around older people since I was a kid. I mean, this is my whole life. And even as a young adult, I seem to get along better with little children and old people. I didn't do quite well with my peers and teenagers didn't seem to like me. Um, even though I did work as a young men's president in our church like three times, and worked with the you know the male youth, but but I've always gotten along better with babies or, or small children and old people, hands down. You get along great with them. What is fascinating to me is that I you know where I am at now and what I understand and and what I would say sets myself apart from a lot of older people that I meet is their understanding of where they're going. They're so, I can tell you one thing. Um, the, well, I'll tell you one thing about a lot of older people. They're afraid to die. They really are. Most older people you'll talk to, if you can get them to open up and tell you the truth, they'll tell you they're afraid of dying. They're scared. They don't want to die. And they know living, they're just going to get older and be able to, you know, they won't be able to do for themselves and, They'll have to be waited on, and maybe they're going to lose their memory and end up like Biden. You know, genuine concerns, and they're still afraid to die. They don't want to die. Um, I don't have that fear. For me, when death comes, it comes. I'm just, you know, I just want to get it, my affairs in order. They're still not completely in order. Some of it is. I just need to get the rest of my affairs in order and, you know, make sure I can transfer all my assets across without any problem. And once I'm in that position, hey, whatever, whatever, you know, to hell with it. Death comes, death comes. I'll move on. Because I know what to expect. I know what's coming. And I have no reason to fear leaving this earth for the next life. I don't. I look forward to it. Um, I'll give you some observations uh, that I've, um, that I've, you know, my observations from growing older. 
if you live your life right, yeah, I'm not just talking about being morally good and all that. I'm talking about paying attention to things, you know, working out your problems, overcoming weaknesses, um, disciplining yourself, all that kind of, if you do that stuff when you're younger, when you get older, based on those experiences and the knowledge you have, you're less likely to make those mistakes when you get older. Like I don't gamble, for instance. I know some people that do. I don't. Gambling was not my thing. I thought it was a waste of money. I thought you were an idiot if you gambled because you lose. You, you lose your money. You work hard, earn money, and then you gamble it away for the thrill of gambling. And now you don't have the money that you need to pay your bills. Or you don't have the money that you should have been putting into investments for your when you got older. Um, you cheated yourself. You cheated your future. Yeah. It's just like people, um, well, this is a few days ago, I was talking to someone about this. Um, oh, we're talking about um, owning things. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm a firm believer. And the way I lived my life was I, I, I tried to pay for things in cash or, you know, go to the bank. I had the money in the bank. I said, I always tried to pay for things in full and not get loans. Um and the reason I did that was because I wanted to own it outright so I could do whatever I wanted to. And if I lost my job or something or I got in the hospital or you know, I got injured or anything, I didn't want to lose something I'd been paying on for a while. So for me, it was security. Like in the house, we, paid, we sold the house and paid cash for the, our house. We didn't get a loan. And they told me I was stupid. That's, for me, that's an insult. They said, no, you know, you did it all wrong. You're supposed to get loans, so you're using other people's money to pay for your your house and your car. Now, I'm going to tell you how stupid that is. This is what the person said to me. Oh, man, George, you screwed up, man. I said, screwed up? They said, yeah, you, you freaking blew it. You effed up. You should have gotten loans because then you're using their money to buy your house. And I said, how do you figure that? And they said, well, you get a loan, and the bank gives you $300,000 to buy a house. You're using the bank's money. And I said, yeah, but don't I have to pay the bank, uh, you know, every month for the house? You go, well, yeah, but you're in a $300,000 house, and what are you paying, $1,800 a month to be in it? And I said, yes, plus interest. And he said, well, yeah, but that's the price you pay. But see, you used their money to get the house. And I said, yeah, but I don't own the house. He said, well, of course you do. It's, it's in your name. And I said, the bank is a freaking lien holder, you idiot. I said, do you buy a house with a loan? You don't, technically, you don't own that house. And I said, do you realize this is, and this person did realize this. I said, do you realize that when you buy a house and get a loan from a bank, in that contract, you sign with the bank for that loan. There's a paragraph that says, at any time, the bank can call in the note on your house and seize your property. I said, did you know that? And if you don't believe me, pull out your freaking contract. If you bought a house, pull out your loan agreement with your bank and, and see what it says. It'll You'll find the paragraph in there that says that at any time, if the, bank, if the bank sees fit to, they can call in the note, which means that you have to 30 days to pay the entire loan off. Now, that's, what, that's what calling in the note is. They send you a letter. 
and they tell you that the bank is it's basically a foreclosure but the bank the, the bank will say they'll send you a letter and in the letter it'll say the bank has decided to call in the note they don't call it a foreclosure they say call it the note um and you have 30 days to pay such and such an amount um to avoid um losing the home that is freaking bad what if you pay it on a house for five years? Now, they're, they're, here's a good thing. They don't want your house. They really don't. They want the interest from the money you're paying them for the loan you got from them to buy the house. So technically, they really don't want the house. They just they want the, 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 you know, the money paid back with interest. And if you fail to pay it back and force them to foreclose, because they really don't like to foreclose, they lose money when they foreclose. Then they will foreclose on you and they'll get you out of there and they'll put the house back on the market and they'll try to sell it to someone else and recoup their losses. And if the real estate market has been going up the way this one has, um, they can make money off that house because if they sold you a $300,000 house. You got a loan and they were going to make, say, $80,000 over the life of the loan and you for you foreclosed, you know, they had to foreclose on you. That house might appraise now for $450,000. So even if they have to foreclose on you and put the house back on the market, there's $150,000 worth of equity that's in that house now that wasn't when you bought it. So they end up making money off that house. Uh, if they get it, get you out of there and roll that house over, uh, then they may not lose very much money at all. No matter of fact, they'll make money. Now, the whole thing I'm talking about, the aging process, is because of this. And I'll be just, this is based on a conversation I had with someone a few days ago. And that is this. There is a break-even point where if you have not been doing saving money, and I say saving, not only putting it in the freaking savings account. I'm talking, when I say saving money, I'm talking about putting it in safe investments. They're going to make money. Even if they don't make much money, they're going to make money. Now, you know, what you normally do with investing is you try to put put money in things that, that the return is greater than the, uh, the cost of living or the inflation. Like right now, inflation is killing people's investments. Killed mine, wiped out about 70% of my investments. Yeah, I'm not too happy. Um but that's what. But the thing is, is when that mine bounce back, they're going to go through the roof. So I just have to be good with my money and not get myself in a position where I don't have money to live on. So I'm being very careful. There's a break break even point. Typically, it's the break even point is 40 years. 40 years old. Um, if you have not, by the time you're 40, done investments and prepared for the future. You're not going to make it. Yeah, you're not. I'd say most people will not make it because the problem is, is that if you haven't been saving from the 20 to 40 year period, you're having to do it from 40 to 60, which you should have been doing from 20 to 40. So if you started from 20 years old and you do it until you're 60 or 65, you had an extra 20 years worth of investing to prepare for the future. So if, if you're someone who did absolutely nothing, you sat on your ass 
for the first 20 years of your work life, which is typically 20 to 40. Um, the way they, they work it is they look at it this way, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 50 to 60, and 60 to 80 are, are lifetimes as an adult. Um, it's, it's called the spring, summer, fall, and winter of our life. 20 to 30 is the spring, 30 to 40 is the summer. Uh, I'm screwing up. Yeah. No, I got it right. 20 to 30 is spring. Um, 30 to 40 is summer. 40 to 50 is fall. And 50 to 60 is winter. Those are the work years of your life. Um, if you're able to work until you're 60, I mean, at a decent job. A lot of jobs, if you're management and stuff, when you're turning around 53, 54, they're trying to get rid of you. Um, they want somebody younger and newer and inexperienced and cheaper. So typically, the work life of a person is 40 years um, on average. And then, you know, usually what you do is a lot of people retire from their company or they let them stay until they're 65. Then they can walk out the door and start getting Social Security. If you miss the spring, you've lost 10 years. Yeah, there's no catch up in this game either. Unless you've been less by an act of God, because that's the, probably about all it takes. It's going to take God to help you not end up in a freaking pickle. Uh, because you're losing 25% of your earning life. Yeah, think, think of it this way, 20 to 60. That's 40 years spread. Each 10-year period represents 25% of your work life, your investment potential. So if from 20 to 30 years old, you don't do any investing, you don't put anything in an, in an investment, you just, you just blew 25% of the time you should have been doing it. So now you have another 75% to try to do something with. You can, it's possible to recover um make up for the years you lost, those 10 years, if you are very frugal and you get some really good investments and all that kind of stuff. If you hit 40 years old and you haven't put anything away for retirement, you're only going to be in a world of stinky. Um, and most people, oh man, the things people do, um, most people will start putting something away if they get scared or someone says, you know, hey, you're going to be freaking, you're going to be in the street if you don't do this. A lot of people think, well, i got to get into a house. If I get into a house, I'll have all the equity. You cannot view a house as a safe investment. You know, real estate is, but not a house. Houses, like if you just buy a piece of property, like I did, I have a piece of property as an investment. Well, that's, that's, that's really cool. you got a piece of property as an investment. I can you know, just sit on it, pay the taxes and stuff. Maybe 10 years down the road, it's worth five times what you paid for it, and you pocket that money. Maybe that happens. The problem is a lot of people think I'll get a house and you know I'll have all that equity and stuff. It's BS. Equity is a perception. So, for instance, in 2008, prior to 2008, um, houses were going up like they are now. You know, every day the house was going up. Like people's houses were going up $20,000 in a week, the value of the home. Now, when the real estate appraisal says your house that you paid 200000 for 
two years later is worth 300000 on paper, you have $100,000 worth of equity. At least that's what you would think. And technically, you can. You can borrow against the equity in your home. Here's the problem. Say you bought a house in 2005 for, you know, say $200,000. In 2007, two years later, it's worth 300000 And you're thinking, ah, oh, damn, I got, I got $100,000 worth of equity. So you go to the bank. And you actually have more because, you know, you paid down your loan. So say you paid down your loan for that two years. And so you really have, say, $130,000 worth of equity. So the bank, <clears throat> you go to the bank and you say you want to borrow $100,000. The bank says, yeah, your house has gone up. Your house is worth 300000 now. And, you, and in the two years, you know, let's well, say you paid off $15,000 worth or something. Yeah. I mean, let me do some quick math. 24, yeah, but say you had 30000 So they say, yeah, you have about $130,000 worth of equity. How much do you want to borrow? So you say, well, I'd like 100000 because we got plans. We're going to do some things on the house. And so they give you an equity loan for $100,000, which has a higher interest rate than a regular loan on a home. Equity loans it can be as high as 10%. 10%. To take equity out on your freaking house is a lot of money. When mortgages were going for 2.9 and 3.4 and all that stuff, 10% on a home equity loan is some serious money. But this person, oh, the house is going to go up and we don't have to worry. You know, it's going to go up another, you know, look at 100,000 in two years. It'll go up another 100,000. We'll be fine. 2008 came, property values dropped like a rock. People saw their equity evaporate. Um, the house, the market was flooded with homes because of foreclosures. People who took equity loans on a house based on the equity that was on paper now owe not just the freaking house, the payment originally, you know, the loan, but they have this equity, another $100,000 worth of debt. And now their house is worth $180,000. So they're only what's called negative equity. Yeah. So they have, basically, they've taken out $300,000 worth of loans. They paid off about $30,000. So they have $270,000 worth of debt on a house that's only worth $180,000 now. That happened to a lot of people. Um, and they lost their homes. You know, a lot of people lost their homes. People lost jobs, couldn't make the payments, and they got saddled with the debt, and they failed bankruptcy. I mean, it was it was bad. It was really bad. We bought our house in 2005 um, and paid cash for it, no loans on it, and then 2008 hit, and the market went sideways. This market's going to go sideways again. Um, there's going to this bubble, this real estate bubble is going to burst again. And now we're in 2022. So if you take 2008, you're going to do your math here. 2022 minus 2008. What do we got there? 14 years. Yeah. 14 years ago, we had a real estate bubble. Going to have another one. And people have done the same thing now that they did before. 
if you're going to age properly and be secure, you have to make sacrifices. You have to prepare. Um, I can't tell you how I, I knew a person. He was doing really well. Uh, he was a contractor. Um, every, everything was going fine. Overextended himself on credit cards. Lost his ass. Yes. Yeah. Credit. I have one credit card. Well, two if you count Kohl's. My wife got a Kohl's card. Um, I don't use Kohl's cards. But they get points on my credit card. Why would I use a Kohl's card? Doesn't make sense. I think I've got like 38,000 points or I can't even, 40,000, something like that. Um, what's my point on that? Credit cards are good if you have the money to pay them off. They're not good if you're carrying a balance. Um, they're ridiculous if you're carrying a balance. If you're paying minimum payments on a credit card, you, you shouldn't have a credit card. The way you use a credit card is you put everything, you pay everything with a credit card based on the money you have every month to pay your expenses. So when you pay your electric bill and your gas, gas for your car, um, you know, whatever payments you use, you use the credit card. Then you take that money and you pay off the card. Then your credit rating goes up. They drop, they lower the interest on your credit card. Then they want to give you another credit card. Like they started me out with a $6,000 credit limit. Um, then they sent me a card. Well, they, no, they sent me, a, they sent me an offer. They gave me a card with like six grand. That was my initial credit limit. And six months, five, I think it was five months. Five months later, they sent me an offer for a card with an unlimited balance. I could charge whatever I wanted to. Yeah. Would I do that? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I manage my money. I keep, I keep track of that stuff. I do not ever spend money on my credit card that I cannot pay off before the due date. That's the trick. Pay it off for the due date, and then you don't use the card for a week or two, and then you start using it again, and your credit rating will go up, and they'll be coming to you trying to get you to get a, a card. They'll give you favorable uh, interest rates. They'll make you all these offers, cash back offers, because they want you to spend yourself into debt. That's the goal. Give them an unlimited credit rating, and he will he'll He'll use the card and get into debt that he can't afford to pay off. Then we start making interest off him. Please, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I know the game, and I, I just flat out refuse to get myself in that kind of a situation. I just won't. Um, one of my kids needed my help recently getting into a car. And I uh, used my credit card so I would get the points. Um, and I helped him get into a car. Well, lo and behold, even though they promised me that they would pay, you know, pay me back uh, the entire amount, they didn't do it. They told me that they couldn't. Well, first they called me and said they couldn't pay me, didn't have the money. And I said, well, it closes on the ninth. So, you know, I said, you know, why don't you wait? And they said, well, I can give it on the 10th. And I said, okay, I'll pay it off. But then you pay me what I loaned you. Well, they called me yesterday, no, Friday. They called me Friday? Thursday. They called me Thursday night to tell me that um, there was a problem with a car. 
a radiator broke or something and it some some problems with the car and they couldn't pay me so i said well <laughs> that's the only, i wasn't too happy and i said well i'll tell you what when are you going to be able to pay me you know the amount the money and they told me that uh, they could do it on the 18th and i said okay um i went ahead and paid it off the 18th i, I expect to get it back I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to have the money to do it. But what's the thing? It was more important to me to pay it off and, and save what I built up um, than to uh, to carry a balance. I was not going to carry a balance. I did not loan them more than I could afford to. In other words, I loaned them the money to get the car, but I was I did not loan them money I didn't have to pay. So in other words, if they didn't pay me back, I had money to pay what I had loaned them and keep the credit card free, zero it out. Because I had a feeling, you know, that this was going to happen, and it happened. This happened before, too. But the point is, even though I could have carried the balance, you know, and paid interest on it, well, I don't think it's up yet. I don't think I have to pay interest yet. They give you, like, six months free. But it would have looked bad that all of a sudden I put all this money on a card, then I don't, then I, I make a minimum payment. You know, that's uh, immediately that's a red flag to a bank. It's like, yeah, he's paid this thing off every month before the due date, and now he puts this huge amount of money on it, and he's not paying it off. He's doing the minimum payments. So what it tells him is, I'm in trouble. I don't, I'm not in trouble, and I don't want them to think I'm in trouble. Now, all these things I'm telling you about finances are because you're going to face this. Men and women, husbands and wives. Um, I don't know how old you people are going to listen to this, but I'm going to tell you this. you If you live long enough, you'll live to be my age. And things get more expensive and some things get scared. Look what's going on now with gas and food and things like that. Do I have food storage? Yes, I do. Do I have money in savings? Yes, I do. Do I have investments? Yes, I do. My house is free and clear. I don't owe on my house. All I do is pay taxes and utilities. The house is free and clear. All the vehicles free and clear. The property up on Bear Lake free and clear. All I have to do is pay taxes, insurance, and utilities on the house and taxes and homeowner fee on the property uh, by the lake. That's it. I position myself that way. So if this freaking world comes apart, I will be able to pay those obligations and not lose my property. Now I'm going to make a prediction to you. I'm going to shut this thing down in a minute because I got to get to bed. If you do not take care and do self-reliance, money management, living within your means, um, investing money to the future if you don't you're going to be my age and you're going to be broke you're going to be living with your freaking kids and that that's hell living with your kids of course with my daughter it'd be wonderful but i don't think it'd work with my sons and i certainly would not want to be a burden on my children because i was a spendthrift and i didn't manage my money it'd be a disgrace to me to have to go to my children and tell them i needed their help when i had the means to, to take care of myself, it would really bother me to have to go to them because I have a responsibility 
to manage my affairs as an adult so they don't have to take care of me. That's what it comes down to. Children should never have to take care of their parents because of negligence. Now, if parents have medical reasons and things like that, um, or, or the, you know, if they have some affliction, that's different. But I'm healthy, and I'm in pretty decent physical shape, except being overweight, you know, and high blood pressure, but that's under control. Physically, I'm, I'm in good shape. Mentally, I'm in good shape, you know. I would not want to have to burden my children with taking care of me because I burned through my money or I did something stupid and lost the house or things like that. Um, it's wrong to burden your children. You're supposed, you're supposed to be independent. You're supposed to be helping your children, not your children having to help you financially. Um, okay, well, that's it anyway. I hope this thing made sense because it's funny. I started out wanting to talk about one thing and ended up talking about finances. The reason I say this, I'm so concerned. A lot of people are just spending their money and living the high life. They're going out drinking with their buddies and they go into restaurants and all this kind of stuff. And they're not preparing for their future. They're not living within their means, you know? And the thing is the time will come where if, you haven't prepared for the future, you're going to have a pretty dismal future. And most people, I would say just about most people, don't want anything to do with someone who needs their help. It's sad, but it's true. Most people, friend and family alike, if you need their help, they don't want to bother. They don't want anything to do with you. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's asking for help again. They said they need money again. The, now, they won't, a lot of times they won't say this to your face, but behind the scenes, they're hating hearing from you. Because every time you call, they think you're calling for money, or you need a ride, or you need this, or, you know, I can't pay the electric bill, or whatever. That's, that's most people. Some, some people, children or friends, other, other relatives, will help you try to help yourself. But even that, over time, that ends too. Because it's not right that a person who screwed around when they were younger and didn't do what they were supposed to do is now coming to um, their friends and their relatives or their children, expecting their children and their friends and stuff to mortgage their future to help this friend or help this family member. <clears throat> because that's basically what it is. If a family member or a friend is helping somebody, they're taking money from their future to help this person. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Very, very tough thing to do. Anyways, that's it. I hope you listen to me because if you're younger, you should be living within your means and investing. You should be preparing for the future. And don't give me this, well, the world's going to end anyway. Well, yeah, but when? Maybe you will be as old or end up as old as I am. And maybe somehow the earth does not blow up in 10 years or climate, that climate BS and, and enrages me. But um, maybe the earth is not going to end for another 80 years. Guess what? <laughs> You'll, if you don't die, you're going to be around. And can you imagine what the world is going to be, how it's going to change within the next 80 years? Yeah. And let me tell you something else about the world. 
the world, and I say the world, I'm talking about societies, governments, that type of thing, industry, is geared for younger people, not older people. Yeah. Older people are a burden on societies. They're a burden on health care. They're a burden per se. So societies and governments and medical, everything is geared for younger people. Um, we don't count for much except to our grandchildren or our kids. Society does not value its elderly. They just don't. I won't say 66 is elderly, but at least I get free, you know, I get freebies and stuff, you know, discounts and stuff. Other than that, I, you know, and I hardly ever use that kind of crap. So think about that. Keep those things in mind. And I hope it wasn't too, too, I hope it wasn't too doom and gloom on this. If you did squander and, and play grab ass when you should have been investing in savings, yeah, you know, for your future. Listen to me and please believe me. Yes, you screwed up. But it's better to start doing something now than to do nothing. It's better to quit the freaking smoking and put that money and invest that money or quit the drinking and invest that money. Um, stop going to restaurants. You know, we can't afford to go to restaurants. You got to freaking put something in, you know, cryptocurrencies or something. But you need to be investing that money. Even if I don't care if you're 60 years old and you've played, you know, screwed around, start putting something in investments so maybe by the time you're 70, you have some money to play with. Or you're 80 years old, you have some money to play with. Yeah. Well, not really play with, but, you know, to help finance yourself. Um, so at any time is better than nothing. Yeah. All right, that's it. I'm not giving you any more. Goodbye.